If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Take what belongs to the children and give it to the little dogs, those that are outside. And that's just about as much as they, that's about as much value as they gave the Gentiles. They're like little dogs. And she said, true, Lord, but even the little dogs get the crumbs. Boy, she was persistent. Even the dogs get the crumbs. I don't need the whole loaf. I don't even need a slice of bread. Just give me a crumb off of that bread because what's in that bread is in that crumb. And if you just give me that crumb, then I can get what I need. And Jesus said, wow. The Bible says he marveled at her faith. And he said, woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you according to your faith. And her daughter was healed at that moment. But see, she didn't have a right to it. But when she got in faith, she had access to it. Yeah. Because God has shown us throughout scriptures that faith is the way. Faith is the key to our connection to God. Remember, he gives grace, we give faith. And when those two things meet, hallelujah, supernatural things happen, it opens us up to all that God has for us. Faith is the only way. Faith is how you get saved. Faith is how you even receive eternal life. And faith is how you live from that day forward. We walk by faith and not by sight. As it is written, the just, the children of God, the saved, the Christians shall live by faith. Amen. Because by that, then you have this continual access to all that God has for you. And these promises here, see now that you once were aliens, we were estranged from the covenants of promise, we were on the outside is what it said. So what the first thing we need to understand is remember the way we were. It's important that we remember the way we were at one time. It's very important to remember the way we were. The temple of that day, known as, as uh, Herod's temple, it had two courts. And one of those courts was intended for the Israelites, and the other one was an outer court called the court of the Gentiles. So they could come to this outer court, but that is as far as they could go. And there was a, there was a wall that went around that separated the inner court from the outer court. It was about four and a half feet tall. But every few feet or so, it had this sign posted there warning anybody who was not a Jew not to go past that point because the penalty for doing that was death. And um, so they could only come to a certain place in the temple. And um, Paul, in the book of Acts, chapter 21, was accused of this very thing. He was accused of bringing a Greek or an outsider into the inner court. This guy by the name of Trophimus who was traveling with Paul at that time. And so they accused him of that. And so the, the scripture teaches us in Acts 21, you can read it, that they began to just beat him. And the Romans actually had to come in and rescue Paul from them and then put him in jail, put him in prison. So this is a very real thing that he's, he's teaching the Gentiles. I mean, he's, he's there in prison for this very reason. He says, listen, guys, this is the way you were. You were outside. You didn't have access into all that God had for you. You could only come to a certain level, but that's it. You didn't get in on the good stuff. But look at verse 13. Hallelujah. But now, everybody say, but now. But now, where? In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. 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 You didn't get brought near because you got in a rocket and you went as far as you could go. You didn't get brought near because you decided you were going to live by those Ten Commandments. You didn't get brought near by any other way, by any effort of your own, because you couldn't do it. 
You were brought near by his blood. His blood so purified, so cleansed you, and put you in such a position that you could actually be near to God now. No longer on that, that outer court looking in, wishing that you could have something better. And God proved that to us when the scripture teaches when Jesus said it is finished and hung his head in death that that temple curtain that separated the most holy place from all the other dimensions of that temple, the scripture says it was torn from top to bottom, which means God had to do that. Torn from top to bottom. And no longer was his presence confined to that little box behind that curtain, but God moved out and then gave all men access to him through Jesus, through that once-for-all sacrifice. The blood, the only blood that could take away sins. All the other blood before could just appease his wrath by simply covering sins. They had to do this every year, sacrifice bulls and goats and take their blood into that most holy place and pour it over that mercy seat, that, that box, that Ark of the Covenant, and, and just for the high priest and his sins and the sins of the people, but it could only cover, but praise God, Jesus, the once for all sacrifice. Even John, John the Baptist, stood on the banks of the river and he see, the river Jordan, he sees Jesus. And remember what he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Now, if the Jews had really thought about what he said, they probably would have stoned him for saying that. Because in that one statement, he canceled out all their, all, all Judaism, all, the, all those acts, all those reasons for being in that temple in the first place, that this is the Lamb of God that has taken away the sin of the world. That means you're no longer going to need that blood of bulls and goats. Glory to God. What a, what, a, what a pronouncement that he, now see, he's teaching us. Remember the way we were, but now remember the way that we are. But now it's different. Jesus' blood gave you a whole new reality concerning your relationship with God. And one of the saddest things for me to see as a, as a preacher as well as a Christian is to see the children of God living their lives in a reality other than Jesus. Acting like that, he, that what he did for us didn't really matter, didn't really make the difference that they needed. So they continue to beat themselves down with guilt and shame and condemnation and continue to try to work works of righteousness so that hopefully they put up enough brownie points with God so that when it comes time they need to withdraw that they've paid enough dues that maybe God will shine down on them and be good to them. Y'all got real quiet when I started talking like that. And not living in this Jesus reality. Not realizing who they are or where they are right now. My little niece, Derek and Jennifer's daughter, Sophie Grace, was about three years old. And uh, I don't know how I got the job of babysitting her this particular day. I mean, you are out of babysitters if you're calling me to babysit your kid. And so they, she came over and she was playing back in the back room. And I'm just chilling in the living room watching TV. And she comes out of the bedroom. Oh, she was so cute. And she still is, but... Came in the living room, and there on the coffee table, Heather had this whole collage of candles. And little Sophie Grace walked up to those candles, and she starts, <sighs> and well, you know, a kid that age, her only experience with candles was you blow on them. 
because there's cake and ice cream involved in that event, and there's possible gifts that would come to her if she would just blow out those candles. And so she's blowing on those candles, and I get a, good, a big kick out of it because they weren't lit. She just saw candles and thought, I need to blow on those candles. And as she's doing that, all of a sudden I'm pricked in my heart thinking about me as well as all of us as believers who get caught up dealing with things that are already dealt with, trying to resolve something that's already been resolved. See, feeling guilty about the sin and and beating yourself up over something that he was already beaten for, punishing yourself over something that Jesus Christ was already punished for. Hallelujah. Trying to carry out this sentence upon yourself so that you can prove sincere, so that you can can show God that you really mean it, is... Your futile efforts are just that. We have to completely depend on Jesus at this point. Our lives are wrapped up in him. Our lives are wrapped up in the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Hallelujah. I mean, the thing that makes Christianity so wonderful is that Jesus gets blamed for what you did. How cool is that? This don't seem fair, does it? Well, it's not really But God apparently saw it as the right thing to do. The God who is fair, the God who is just, knew that there was only one way, one way that we could have this peace with him, that that rage and havoc of war would really be over. And that's what that word peace means. It's the Greek word erene. Everybody try that. You got to roll the R now. Erene. I don't know if you have to roll it, but you know, We're close to Mexico, so (laughs) sounds better. Erene, and it means the end to the rage and havoc of war, which means that God's wrath was fully satisfied in his son. Fully. He took the full judgment. He really did take away the sins of God. That includes yours. That includes mine. Free from it. He says, now you're brought near by his blood. So I want to encourage you today. Don't waste one more minute groveling in guilt and shame and condemnation. Don't weaken your Christian walk with that kind of thinking and that kind of living because that's exactly what it is. It's weak. Let me tell you something. If the law couldn't save you, no rules that you make up are going to save you either. If the law of God couldn't get it done, then the rules that you make for yourself, ladies and gentlemen, come on, let's be real here. The law of God could not make people righteous. Did y'all know that? All right, all right. I guess I need to prove it to you. Turn, uh, uh, Matt, go to Romans 8 for just a moment, verse 3. We'll go to 33 in just a second. 3, verse 3. Uh, we know that one says, um, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us 
free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak. Whoa, whose law is this? This is the law of God. It says that the law of God was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son, hallelujah, in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned not men, but sin in the flesh, hallelujah. He condemned not men, but sin. So if Jesus doesn't condemn you, then you have no right to condemn yourself. Because you are not a higher authority, you are not a higher law than God. Hallelujah. Go to 33 now. Look at this. This is beautiful. Romans 8. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is going to have the audacity to condemn that which God has justified? Justified means just that. Justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. All right, 34. Who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died. That is, he took the condemnation. He became condemned. And furthermore, is also risen who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. Can you see this beautiful, beautiful relationship that Jesus ensured between us and the living God that we have peace? Peace with God. Peace. Mm-mm-mm. Let's continue. I hope this is helping you because it's helping me a lot. A whole lot. 14, Ephesians 2, 14. For he, here it is. Here's how he did it. He himself is our peace. Who has made both one, that is both nations, both the Gentile nation and the Jewish nation, and has broken down that middle wall of separation. Hallelujah. 15. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity or the hatred, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two. That is that in God's eyes, we all became equal at that moment through, watch, thus making peace. Thus making peace. So Jesus ensured peace with us and God and with us and man. You see it? See that cross vertically and horizontally. Peace with God and peace with mankind. All right. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through that cross. Glory to Thereby putting, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached what? What did he come and preach? Peace. Jesus came and preached peace to you who were afar off. That's us. And to those who were near. Well, last time I checked, when I read Jesus' sayings, he said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. How did he preach peace to us? How did he preach peace to us who are afar off? And how did he preach peace to those who were near? By dying for our sins. By going into that tomb. And by rising again from the dead. And Paul said, that is the gospel. That is the message of Christ. 
And he said it in Romans chapter 10. He said, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Now he's quoting Isaiah. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Hallelujah. This is the message to us today. Peace and glad tidings of good things. That's why I don't understand why there's so many men and women of God out there preaching something other than peace and glad tidings of good things. Yeah. Well, this is the message of Christ, right. that we preach peace to, our, to, to the world. We, pre- we, pre- we preach peace to mankind. As a matter of fact, that angel that showed up there, those angels that showed up there to the shepherds in the field, they said, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And he showed it to us by that baby in the manger. When God became a man. What this teaches us is that, that we need to remember where we were. And now we need to remember where we are. But lastly, we remember Jesus. Don't forget him. Don't forget what he's done for you. Don't forget that he's in you right now. He himself is our peace. And if Jesus is our peace, and he's that very present help, he's given us that promise, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, then we have the ability to live in this constant, perpetual state of peace. And we don't depend on these external things to line up out here for us to enjoy peace. No, no, no. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, he himself is our peace. Now, turn over to Mark chapter 4 for a moment. Mark chapter 4 and verse 37 It says, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, that's Jesus, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Is that the thing to say to the man who's about to die for your sins? Is that what you say? Do you not care that we are perishing? Now watch. Verse 39, then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? Watch, how is it that you have no faith? And again, we see our wonderful heroes respond so eloquently to his word and they feared exceedingly. He just rebuked them for their fear. How is it that you have no faith? And they got more afraid. And said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Right? Now, where's Jesus at the time all this is going on? Before he gets up to do that, where is Jesus? He's in the boat with the disciples. He's in the boat with disciples the disciples, yet they feared. He's in the boat with the disciples, yet they questioned his care for them. Now, let's not be too quick to judge these guys and act like they were just oblivious 
because he's in your boat right now. He's in your life right now. And how many times have you questioned God when the circumstances all turn into a storm around you and you go, oh, God, where are you right now? What are you trying? Oh, God, what have I done? Where are you? Where's God in all of this? We act just like him. And Jesus calls that no faith. He doesn't reward that. He doesn't go, oh, I'm so sorry. You've, I know you're scared. Come on. He doesn't coddle that stuff. That's right. He helps us see a greater reality. That's good. He teaches us there is nothing to fear if I am here. <laughs> what do you have to be afraid of when the prince of peace is in you? When greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What right do we have to, to, to accept any other reality, to, to embrace fear and all these wiles and these weapons that the devil uses against us? Don't forget the devil's the one who's accusing you of what you've done. He's the one accusing you of what you've done. See, he's trying to blame you for what Jesus took the blame for because if, if he can do that, then he can get you going in circles. Right? And if he can get us out of this truth to this peace that we have with God, then we find ourselves when we do sin. I said when. I know, I know you. When we do sin. <laughs> when we do sin, when we do have our shortcomings, the, the enemy so beats us down that we feel like the humble thing would be to grovel before God. Oh, God, I can't even look at you. I'm not worthy. <laughs> right? And our whole walk with God gets caught up in how bad we feel. And every time we think about him, we exalt our sin to this place where it's this wall, it's this barrier. Oh, what I've done to the Savior. All this religious garb. When we have peace with God. What you did now, he paid for then. So he taught us as children that we have the same rights that the natural born children do. Now by faith in Jesus, we get in on all the covenants of promise. We are part of the commonwealth of Israel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is our Father. He's not this great judge in the sky. He is our Father. And that's what Jesus said. No one comes to the Father but through me. Everybody's going to the judge. All mankind's going to the judge, but only those who go through me are going to the Father. Hallelujah. So we have this, we have an access. We have this certain way that we approach God as his children then. What does he tell us to do? Come boldly. Before the throne of grace. Not like some groveling slave servant. You're a son. You're an heir with Christ. You have what I have is what he's saying. What's in my house belongs to you. Everything that I have belongs to you through Jesus. What he has, you have. Matter of fact, you're seated in heavenly places with him. How dare us put on this false humility... False, man-made, egotistical humility. (laughs) And act like we've got a higher standard than God. Because we feel bad. 
because we're so sorry. Christian, rise up to the Word of God. Rise up to this promise that you have peace with God. Take your rightful place as a child of God and come boldly before the throne of grace and get what you need. Come boldly before the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know what? I learned about that. Boldness equals humility. Because the Bible says that God, what does he do to the proud? He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And the only way to come to get that grace is boldly. Hallelujah. Man, that makes me want to go crazy right now. That's humility. Woo! But let me tell you, let me tell you something, because I've, I've been told it myself, and I hear it over and over again about people who simply preach what the Bible says. Oh, you arrogant, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, health and prosperity. Well, stay out there then. Grovel in your, in your false humility. Stay there. I've got, I've got, I'm not going to move just because you don't like it. I'm not going to move off the scriptures. Just because you think something else. I decided his, his opinion is the highest opinion. Yes. And no matter how I feel, I humble myself under his opinion and say, okay, Father, I come boldly. I come boldly. I know that your grace is sufficient for me. I know that your mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. So I exalt you above every weakness that I've ever had. I exalt you above the sin. I exalt you above my feelings. I exalt you above the guilt and the shame and condemnation. I don't have any right to condemn. I don't have any right to lay a charge against myself because it's God who justifies and it's Christ who died. This will make you so free. It's a liberating gospel. This will turn songwriters from wimpy little, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. Come on. To singing about the great I am. Jesus, name above every name. Woo! Okay. Hallelujah. I probably... Probably bothered a few of you by saying that. <laughs> Pretty song, terrible theology. All right. See, we, we admire and we reverence Jesus when we just do it his way. When we fully accept that peace that we have with God, that continual flow of communion with the Heavenly Father. See, when you do that, sin ain't going to have a hold on you. Matter of fact, the Scriptures teach us, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, you're under grace. You're under grace. And that grip that sin can seem to have, it can seem to be so strong, has no, there's no comparison of that grasp to the grip of his grace. Where sin abounded, grace much more. Now think about it. And we've said that scripture, but think about it. It says where. Where sin abounded. That is in that location. God help us get this. 
in the location where, right there where you are weak. Right there in that, that place of weakness. Right there in that sin where it abounds. Grace much more abounds. See, it's at that moment you don't run from God when you've sinned. You run to him. Because you don't, you, don't, you don't allow that sin, you don't allow that stuff to be bigger than what it really is. Yes. You don't allow it to be greater than his grace. Hmm. Good. I hear this stuff, oh, we need to preach on sin. <laughs> hey, I got an idea. I think people know. What people need to hear about is that abundant grace that is greater than that sin. And that grace does not, it's not a license I cannot stand this religious terminology. Oh, that sounds like you're giving them a license to sin. How long are you going to stay in that church with that same thought? Where do you find that in the scriptures? A license to sin. Just where's the scripture on that? And they say, well, that's greasy grace. Sloppy agape. Whatever they God help us. How could you denigrate the grace of God by calling it greasy? I'm greasy. I need grace. I need the grace of God. Don't tweet that. Of all the things that you could tweet today. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's keep us what we are and keep his grace what it is, is all I'm saying. Let's keep sin what it is and grace what it is. So we exalt him. I'll finish with this scripture, Romans chapter, I mean Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Seeing then that we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. As easily as sin can beset you, you can easily lay it down. That's right. Very good. Let us lay aside every way and the sin that so easily besets us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here's how it happens. Looking unto Jesus. Not looking at what I need to fix. Looking unto Jesus. And the weights drop off. And the sin loses its grip. When your eyes are full of him. Every head bowed for just a moment and every eye closed. There are some of you here in this room today that need to make a new decision about your life. You need to make a new decision. And a lot of it simply has to do with just accepting what God has said over what you have experienced, over what you have felt, and over even what you have said, or even others. But you need to make the decision to exalt God's word as the highest standard, the highest law in your life, so that you can begin to cause, help your life rise to that level, rise to that place called grace. I am never in any way do I ever condone anyone sinning. I just know humanity. The Bible says if we say we have no sin, we lie. 
I'm here to give you something greater than the knowledge that you sin. But that there is grace. So that sin won't be the lifestyle. It will become a thing of the past. Those things that have held you down, the, the vicious cycle that you have found yourself in over and over and over, crying, begging God to help you, crying for mercy, and then finding yourself doing it again and again and again and again. And somewhere along the way, just kind of losing hope, thinking that, what is it even going to matter if I come to him again and do it again? If I come before his throne, is there, is he really, is God going to take me serious? Ladies and gentlemen, the answer to that is yes. Because your relationship is founded upon greater things than your works. It is founded upon the fact that Christ died for your sins and he was buried and he rose again. That is what brought you into the family of God. And that is what keeps you in the family of God. And I'm here to tell you, you keep running to God. Keep going to God. The Bible says he gives you the victory. He gives you. Even when that temptation comes, God always makes a way of escape. Just start taking the way of escape. Like I said, there's some decisions that need to be made here. Some of you have exalted your sin. You've exalted those bad feelings, those guilty feelings above what God has supplied for you. So you have weakened your walk with him. Today, you need to repent. You just need to repent. Repentance is easy. It really is. It simply means to change your mind. Change your mind. Isn't that beautiful? God has given us this ability to make a new choice. You're here today. Let this be a landmark moment in your walk with God. Decide today that you're not going to grovel in the garbage that you've been groveling in, but you're going to come up to where God has said you can be, and you can be who God says you are. Just by an acknowledgement of what I'm saying, if that's you, if I'm talking to you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you here. Just between you and me and God, just raise your hand and say, I need that new start. I need, I'm, I'm making new choices today. I'm going to exalt his word above everything else. Amen. You're not alone in here with your hand up. God bless all these with their hands up. Strengthen them. And I declare what the apostle Paul continued to say about the church. Grace and peace be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that this day is a new day. This is a new beginning. This is a new start. From this day forward, they make new decisions. And when they make new decisions, they go in new directions. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for your amazing grace. We didn't deserve it. That's what made it so wonderful. But you freely gave it to us. And we receive your grace now. Thank you for washing washing away these thoughts by the truth of your word. Washing away vain imaginations. And now we take every thought captive and we, say, and we command every thought to come into obedience. The obedience of Christ. 
and what he has said and what he has done. I declare your people free, liberated by your glorious word in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.